Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be reacting to week 13 and previewing week 14 with some waiver wire picks. And obviously, as you can tell, this episode came out a day late this week. I do apologize for that, but I've adjusted the waiver wire segment accordingly. The waiver wire segment will be targeting deep fantasy football waiver wire pickups guys who are rostered in 10% or less of ESPN leagues prior to waivers running on Wednesday, which I mean, they already have for you, but these guys should still be widely available. So I figured why not talk about some deep waiver wire pickups this week, guys that you can maybe stash heading into the playoffs. Uh, So thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF, the podcast at SGF pod. Uh, We'll get some news first. Then actually first we'll do an SFB 11 update because I was going to do that after last week, then some news, then reactions, then waiver wire. Um, So yeah, let's start with the SFB 11 update. So Chris and I, uh, I'll actually, I'll get to that. Um, So basically I, I said last week that I was um, at seven and five heading into a matchup. It was a must win game to make the playoffs and I lost. So I had resigned myself to the fact that I was missing the playoffs at seven and six. Then realizing something that I that apparently, which is something I had not realized, the Scott Fishbowl actually does do a like second chance wild card. So if you get eight wins, you're in that. Like say you got eight wins, but like for some reason your division was tough and then you like got bumped out of the playoffs or say you scored 1,885 points or more. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, and then which may have been, I guess, the league wide average. I'm not really sure. But I mean, that was the benchmark. If you'd scored that amount of points or more, maybe you get in as well, because maybe you scored a lot of points, but don't have the best record and weren't able to get in in your division. So finding this out, I went over to check my points and I had already kind of known what they were, but I realized I had exactly one thousand eight hundred eighty point seventy four point seven four points. So I missed the playoffs in SFB by four points, four. I had, I was so close at seven and six. I missed it by one win and four points. And there is no tougher way to lose than that. So my SFB season folks is done. Let's look at all the ways this could have been changed. If Zach Wilson did not throw his interception, which lost me like five points for the incompletion and then the interception, if Zach Wilson just takes that back, and does nothing else. I make the Scott Fishbowl playoffs. I did start Zach Wilson. He was actually pretty good, but um, I mean, I probably should have started some Majay P. Ryan over Wendell Smallwood. Actually, that wouldn't have quite done it. Um, I'm realizing, but I mean, there are just it's a brutal way to lose. But I mean, I'm glad I didn't start my Glennon, who had like negative nine this week. I started Zach Wilson over him in my super flex spot. But yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson, take back your pick. You lost me my season. Uh I mean, I probably would have lost anyway because my team is dealing with a lot of injuries, but it's all right. I had so much fun playing this year. So, of course, shout out to Scott Fish for sending me and Chris our invites. Chris didn't make it in either at seven and six. Um, but, yeah, I missed the SP 11 playoffs by four points. <laughs> and just realizing that, like, I had the fact that, I mean, I wasn't, like, too disappointed because I had already resigned myself. Like, I was like, okay, I need to win this week, and I need someone to, to lose. And I actually didn't even check to see if they did lose. Uh, Kevin Tompkins actually did lose. Kevin Tompkins lost. So, all I had to do this week was win, and I didn't. And then it turned out that all I didn't need to do was, I didn't even need to, like, I, I had a chance even without winning. I could have just scored four more points and gotten in, or I guess 4.26 to be exact. So, Wow, that was so close, but not quite in the second chance wildcard. But my final place, guys, I stayed above average, 947 out of 1920th. So um, I was pretty much just 
completely average this year, but I was slightly above. So I can say that in my first year of SFB in the analyst league, I got slightly above average. That's something to be happy about, but I ended the season so badly started out seven and four that had a couple of bad weeks. Cause I was just dealing with so many injuries. Oh man. If Ezekiel Elliott could have gotten me more than like 7.2. Like if Zeke got a touchdown, I could have gotten in. If Devonte Smith had had like a decent game instead of having two catches against the jets, if Kenny Galladay hadn't gotten hurt for a bit, maybe he would have done better. I don't know. There's so many could have, should have, would have, could have, but like, yeah, the fact is I missed out barely. I might've been the closest in the entire thing. Uh, although there was actually someone in my division who had an identical score as me one exactly 1,880.74 points. We both had that in the same division. That is absolutely wild. So shout out to Ben Burridge who we tied for eighth in our division in terms of points and good luck to everyone in the REM division. I had a lot of fun. That division was absolutely stacked. Lots of good fantasy analysts in there. Pat Fitzmaurice played in there from fantasy pros and football guys and the footballgirl.com. Also got to play with Mike Mills, who was a member of the band REM. So that was a lot of fun. And there were so many other great fantasy analysts. And so it was tough, but I held my own, I would say. So I'm pretty proud of that. So that was a lot of fun. And I hope to get back next year. But I mean, if not, this was still a great experience either way. So with that out of the way, we got one piece of news to talk about. And um, Chris, unfortunately, did not finish the year very well. He ended up finishing 1,391st and actually got to seven and six and had a chance at the playoffs in the final week which I mean, it's all that matters. It was fun to still be in contention, but his team also dropped off as well um, near the end of the year. All right, let's hop into some news. One piece of news today, Logan Thomas did avoid a torn ACL in Sunday's game. He did well, caught a touchdown and then left with an injury. Uh, He is not, he may not be out for the season. I think there's probably a ch- it's probably likely that Logan Thomas is out for the fantasy season, but he has not been ruled out yet. So that was just important to mention. Go pick up Ricky Seals Jones. We'll talk about him in uh, the waiver wire segment, but actually that's pretty much it. Not much to analyze there. We'll get into reactions, then talk waiver wire, and I'll inform you about Ricky Seals Jones and others. But first, let's do reactions from the week. That might have been like the quickest news segment we've ever had, like doing the news segment and then moving on just 10 seconds later. All right, let's have on reactions. The quarterback won on the week, Kyler Murray. He only threw for 123 yards, but ran for two rushing touchdowns on 59 yards against the Bears. He was great in his return to action. Lock him into your lineups. Same with Tom Brady at the quarterback two, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford as well. And then Zach Wilson was actually the quarterback five. He's not startable. Um, You can maybe have a little more confidence in him in super flex but he's just so inconsistent. I don't really think you can at this point. And then Taysom Hill was the quarterback six. He's just got that rushing upside. Even when he has an atrocious game, like he did, he ran for 101 yards. He's just got that the chance to do that any week. So that is uh, very, very important for your fantasy team. Boss Dak Prescott just didn't do much. Carson Wentz didn't do much. Neither of them really needed to, because they won pretty safely. Uh, Josh Allen in the snow game was probably a bit disappointing. And um, yeah, I mean, that was, that's about it for the quarterbacks. Running backs, the RB1 on the week, guys. I have been talking about this for months and months and months. I know I mentioned it in August. I probably mentioned it even before then. I mean, I know I've even been talking about it through the before the draft on how much I love Javante Williams, but his second half schedule with the Denver Broncos is fantastic. And now that Melvin Gordon went out in this game, he faced a nice Kansas City matchup and went nuclear, was the RB1 on the week. I hope you bought low. It's too late now. I mean, the, the Javante Williams dynasty hype is going nuclear, and it's crazy to see how many people have hopped on that bandwagon. I mean, pretty much everyone, it seems like, is a Javante Williams, like, diehard fan at this point but uh if you listen to the second and goal fantasy podcast you would have drafted him in august and been on that 
all season. So Williams, six for 76 in the score through the air, 102 rushing yards on the ground. He was great. David Montgomery is just such a good runner. He improved so much from year one. And that's something I've been impressed with. Something I was wrong on, not this year, but last year was fading David Montgomery in fantasy football. He, the dude has gotten so much better as an RB. He's quicker. He's even more physical. It seems like, and he can catch the ball. Like that's really just what you wanted him to develop into. And Props to him. I mean, he's gotten so much better. I'm very happy that he proved my pick wrong. Jonathan Taylor, of course, the RB3 against Houston, as you'd expect. Josh Jacobs was the RB4. He had nine catches, just was used a lot in a short passing game. I don't think you have to worry about Kenyon Drake too much anymore. He was non-existent. Leonard Fournette should be locked into your lineup. He was great as the RB5. Antonio Gibson, the RB6, he gets so much work now when these the football team is winning games. It's great. Sony Michelle, the RB7, 121 yards and a touchdown. He was fantastic in this one. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a really good game for Sony Michelle and replacing Daryl Henderson after Henderson was out with an injury. And then Alexander Madison, the RB8, subbing in for Dalvin Cook. He should be in your lineups as a solid RB2. Uh, busts on the week for running backs. I mean, it was an interesting week. Obviously, running backs aren't always as deep. I mean, looking through Rex Burkhead really didn't do much. No Houston running back really ever will. Joe Mixon wasn't that great. He ended up running for a touchdown, but he also lost a fumble. So he may be disappointed you after his big blow up week last week, but still lock him into your lineups. Um, other than that, I mean, there weren't really that many crazy running back busts. I guess James Robinson, although yeah, Robinson kind of had a fumble in this one, kind of got benched almost, and it was kind of brutal. Uh, but I mean, he should be back pretty soon. I think he's such a talented guy. He will see the field. Wide receiver one on the week, Justin Jefferson went off as expected against Detroit, even though the Vikings lost. Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver two, he's just so reliable for Ben Roethlisberger. And when Roethlisberger's not throwing the ball, like airmailing it on a screen, Deontay Johnson can be electric. He got a couple touchdowns in this one. Chris Godwin in 15 catches. He was the wide receiver three in full PPR. Then T. Higgins was great. He's been really reliable as teams focus more attention on Jamar Chase. Cooper Cup, excellent as always. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, who we'll talk about a little later. 10 catches for 86 yards and then the game-winning touchdown for the Lions. Keenan Allen caught a couple touchdowns. He's now on the COVID list, unfortunately, but he was good. And then Russell Gage was just very reliable. He has been reliable over the last few weeks. Pick up Russell Gage. I don't know if he's that – like, he's not that widely available anymore. But, I mean, he's just such a great target and consistent for Matt Ryan now with Calvin Ridley gone. I mean, it's just – Russell Gage always seems to be open at this point. Um so, yeah, a lot of good wide receivers this week, as always. Um, looking at the busts on the week, I mean, Kenny Galladay actually started out pretty well, then left with bruised ribs and wasn't the same when he came back. Chase Claypool only had a couple of catches. He's just going to be inconsistent as long as you have noodle arm to Ben Roethlisberger uh, at the helm. And, I mean, what else? Tyree Kill got shut down against Denver. He's going to be inconsistent like that sometimes, but you got to lock him in your lineups. Same with Terry McLaurin uh, and Amari Cooper as well. He will have his weeks. This week was a CD Lamb week. Uh, for tight end, the tight end one was George Kittle. Nine receptions for 181 yards and two touchdowns. You got to have him in your lineup. Same with Dallas Goddard, six for 105 and two. Rob Gronkowski had a couple touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson, Logan Thomas both got one as well. It was a good week for tight ends. And Tyler Conklin and Mike Kosicki got seven catches. Both of those guys can be plugged in as somewhat risky streaming options. Tight end busts. Travis Kelsey had a kind of a bad game. Expect him to bounce back soon, though. It was weird for the Chiefs offense. They just didn't do much on offense. It was their defense that kind of carried them in this one. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy kind of busted, but he got a target, bit, good target share, and we'll talk about him in just a second. Let's drop in some waiver wire before we go. So these guys are rostered in 10% or less of ESPN leagues. The number one pickup 
Amon Ross St. Brown of the deep sleepers, 10 receptions for 86 yards and a score in this one. He's been getting a bigger target share in the last few games and just having really a good rookie breakout despite being picked in the fourth round. It's a little surprising, but yeah, he's been good. Ricky Seals Jones is going to be a good replacement for Logan Thomas over the next few weeks with Thomas out. Seals Jones is getting a very good target share for like a three game stretch for a while. I think he'll be a good underneath option for Taylor Heineke. Nick Westbrook, a kind. I mean, Julio Jones is coming back in this one, but I think that could actually help him. It will, I think Tannehill's pass attempts will go up in this one as he has more receivers to throw to and Nick Westbrook account will have more space. And so that's, and to operate and will be such a target of, on, of defenses. He's had some good games this year, so he can function well as a wide receiver too for the team. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy, he's gotten like 11 targets or something or 11 or 12 targets over the, like the last two weeks for James O'Shaughnessy. He hasn't really done much with them, but we saw what Dan Arnold could do in this offense. We saw O'Shaughnessy do well early in the year, so he's worth a stash. Same with Gerald Everett, who had four receptions for seven yards for the Seahawks this week. But the last couple of weeks, he's been getting good targets, and he's a good underneath option for Russell Wilson. All these guys are rostered in 10% or less VSPN leagues. James O'Shaughnessy is available in 99.6. So, I mean, that's he's literally free. Just go get him. Uh, but yeah, those are some deep sleepers for you. Uh, although I guess those roster percentages will change after waivers run on Wednesday when you're hearing this, but as of Tuesday, that's where they are. So that's it for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. It was a fun time as always an episode 112. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second and goal fantasy at gmail.com. Check out second and goal sports talk on YouTube. I also do want to thank everyone who tuned into our stream on the color cast app on Sunday. Chris and I broadcasted Eagles and jets. So I'm hoping to do more of those soon. We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next time.